Years ago, there was a, uh, a song that, uh, that we were very, those of us were very, very involved in a place called Camp Jacob that is still alive and active. And, and uh, the first year we had camp, Ed Slimp was camper of the year. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And uh, went on to become director at some point. Uh, so, uh, but you remember those early years, uh, you were there, Mike Brooks was there and several of us, yes, kids will be dismissed. Sorry, forgot that. And, uh, at the end of the week, it was, this was in the eighties and, uh, we would gather around the campfire and at the end of camp, we would sing friends are friends forever. <laughs> if the Lord's the Lord of them. And I'm not making fun. It was a great song and it was, those were wonderful times. Friends are friends forever, and the Lord's the Lord of them. Friend will not say never, though the welcome will not end. No, it's hard to let you go in the Father's hands we know. Uh, huh? It's not, life's not too long it's friends, yeah. And we would make friends during those years. There are people that I run into that, you know, that you just don't see very often. And, and there was a, a kinship and a friendship that we shared in those, those special years. And, and friends are important. Uh, James Taylor, uh, I'll confess to liking James Taylor's music. Uh, I will not speak of character. I'm just talking about music. But he wrote a very beautiful song that says, you've got a friend. And that's what it's saying is when you, when you need a friend, I'm going to be there for you. Uh, Soul's Journey, we've just started doing uh, Bill Withers' old Lean On Me tune. I don't know why we didn't do it years ago, but, but it, that's what that song says, you know. Lean on me. I'll be there for you. You've got a friend in me. I will be there for you. Uh, and it's important to have friends. Friends matter. It's important. We should announce this as friends today, I guess, but this is what the Lord put on my heart. Uh, you know, even the praise band, we sang a song a couple of weeks ago called Church, Take Me Back. And it says, take me back to a people a place that I, where I belong, people that, I, you know, that are my friends, people that will be there with me. Uh, and it says, a place where uh, we take me back to the people I can depend on. We all need each other, brothers and sisters. Is that the truth? It is, isn't it? We need each other. I'm convinced that's one of the reasons that God told us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because God knew that I needed you. And believe it or not, you need me. We need each other. God gives us to one another. And I, that's what I want to talk about this morning. What are friends for? There's some old sayings that says, if you, if you need a friend, be a friend. If you need friends, show yourself friendly. And so it's important that we have friends. And that's what I want to share about this morning for a few moments. Uh, Proverbs 30 and 11 says uh, that a wise person wins friends. He's saying there's wisdom in having friends. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing to have friends. The Bible recounts a lot of friendships for us. You can read through the Word and, and see lots of uh, cases. There's a, the friendship of David and Jonathan. Jonathan, the son of uh, King Saul, who hated David and wanted to kill him, tried on numerous occasions. And Jonathan would, would get word to David and... and, and uh, help him know the plan so that he could escape the things that his father wanted to do. Uh, and, and they were so close. They were kindred spirits. And they had a deep love for one another and a friendship 
that endured through all kinds of hardships. Remember the story of Ruth and Naomi. Naomi uh, uh, was this lady whose husband passed away. She had two daughters. And as things happened, their, their husbands passed away too. And Ruth was to the point of destitution. She said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back home. I'll, I'll go back where I'm from. And uh, you know, I can find some help and some hope there. And the daughters, you know, she said, you just stay here. You, you know, uh, find your new husbands. You stay here. They were Moabites. That was home for them. You stay here. And, and you know the story. Ruth says, no, where you go, I'm going to go. I'm with you. You know, where you sleep, I'll sleep. Where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. Your people will be my people. And even though they were mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, there was a friendship, there was a bond there. Jesus was friends with Lazarus, Mary and Martha. He would often be at their home, eat with them and stay with them. And, and you know, when, when Lazarus died, how, how Jesus was, was moved, compassion. Uh, I've always figured Lazarus was a little bit ticked at Jesus for raising him from the dead, bringing him back to this world. You know, what's this about? Man, I was in paradise. What, you know? But they, they were friends, and they were very close. I thought about the story of the Good Samaritan. We all know that story, and I won't preach that entire story, but this Jewish man was traveling through a very dangerous area. He was, he was uh, uh, jumped on by a group of thugs and robbers, and they beat him, left him for dead. And you would think this Jewish man, you know, when the priest comes by, this priest would have been his friend. But he's like, man, I no, I want to touch that. Levite came by. You'd think this Levite would also be his friend. The Levite passes around by the other way. And then along comes this Samaritan guy who would be the last person in the world to be this Jewish, Jewish man's friend. <laughs> they were enemies. They hated one another. And yet... This Samaritan saw this Jew lying there, beaten, dying. And he was moved with compassion. And he bound up his wounds, put him on his donkey, took him into town, paid for his room and board, for his care. Ed preached a wonderful message that I've made part of my daily, daily prayer. And that is, Lord, help me be a good neighbor. Help me be a good friend. And then there are some guys that really stand out to me when I think about friendships in the Bible. Jesus was in the house. Everybody had packed around, and everybody wanted to get to Jesus. Everybody wanted to hear Jesus. Everybody wanted to see the miracles, and everybody wanted to, to be where Jesus was. And they had a friend who was very ill. As a matter of fact, he had to be carried. And what these guys did... They carried him up on the roof. And the houses in that day and time were flat-roofed. Uh, and so they carried them up. Many times that was a place where people would go in the cool of the evening. They would have a set of steps or something up to get on the roof so they could go up there and, and, and enjoy a, a nice cooler evening than the, than the hot suns of the day. And they carried this man up on the roof of this house and they tore a hole in the roof to let this friend of theirs down to where Jesus was you know and they I mean, somebody had to fix that roof somebody was going to have to pay for that they went out of their way in a great big way for their friend it's a good lesson in that for us how much do we go out of our way for others 
What lengths are we willing to go to to do what needs to be done? I fear many times we're like the, the priest and the Levite who simply don't have time. We don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to get involved. Let somebody else do it. Somebody else will take care of that. And the bottom line of an attitude like that simply says, really, we don't care. We don't care enough. We need to care. We also read about Job's friends, by the way. Remember Job's friends? You know, Job, you know, Satan came and, and, and attacked Job with, with God's permission. You know, he said, you can take everything. Just, you can't, can't touch his life. Don't take his life. And Job lost everything, literally. His riches, his family, his possessions, flocks, herds, his health. To the point that his wife said, oh, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, Job had three friends to show up. And to their credit, these friends came and sat with Job for I think it's seven days and didn't speak. They sat with him in his misery and they, 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 you know, they were in unison with him. They were there supporting him. And they sat with him in his misery. They commiserated with him. And then like us humans, they opened their mouth and began to talk and it kind of went downhill from there, you know. But at least these friends came. They cared enough, they came. Even though they, they ended up accusing Job of a lot of things. But I want to share with you this morning very briefly. What are friends for? What are friends for? And the first thing that I put down was this. They're for doing life together. Isn't it great to have friends to do life together? Next Sunday, we're going to do life together down in Possum Holler. And it's a wonderful thing. We just fellowship and have fun, you know. And uh, It's a, great that we come together here. And, and you know what the sign of a healthy church is? You know, I can pass by here. I've been, I've been home and changed clothes and heading back out somewhere. And there's still people here, sitting, you know, talking and fellowshipping. That's a sign of a healthy church. I love that. I love that. We love doing life together. It's fun sharing life with our friends. And, and I remember when, uh, when our daughter Jenny was born. I was in the old hospital up here in Wise up on the hill. And I remember we were gathered there, and it was a long, arduous day. Uh, and that's a whole other story. But anyway, uh, late that afternoon, late up in the evening, finally, the elevator doors swung open and this little doctor that was about this tall come pushing out this little buggy and about 40 people ran across the foyer and I think he was scared to death. I think we spooked him. But everybody wanted to see the baby. And those folks were all there. They were surrounding us. They were supporting us. They were praying for us and what we needed to that day, didn't we, honey? Yes, we did. God is good. Think back about memories that you've made with friends. Lifetime memories. Maybe it's vacationing together. Maybe it's, maybe it's doing on mission projects together, going service things together, things that we've done through the church. Those things are all wonderful things, wonderful memories. So friends are there to do life together. But I want you to know that friends are also there for times of adversity. Times of adversity. Proverbs 17, 17 said, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. God gives us to one another 
to help each other through the hard times, the difficult times, the trying times. They're there with us in the good times as well as in the bad. Remember the prodigal son? Prodigal son went to his dad and he said, hey, dad, man, I'm bored here on the farm. This is, this is not the life for me, you know, this Green Acres stuff. I need to go to the big city and I need to live it up. So give me what's coming to me. I'm out of here. And he did. And he went to a far country and he lived it up. He partied hardy. And at that time, he had lots of friends As long as he was buying the next round and he was funding the party, he was the talk of the town. Everybody loved the old prodigal son. Yeah, wanted to be around him until the money ran out. And then where were his friends? He didn't even have somebody that would give him something to eat. Here this Jewish boy who, who, you know, pigs were the last thing they wanted to be around. He ends up feeding the pigs and wishing he could eat what he was feeding the pigs. These so-called friends were long gone. They had run out on him. I began to think about, you know, you hear story after story of folks that win the lottery. I'm not a proponent of the lottery. Never bought a lottery ticket in my life. If you have, you, you and God talk about it. I'm not going to judge you, but, but I don't. But I think about people that have won the lottery, won big bucks, can you imagine the friends they have the next day? <laughs> I know a lot of them try to keep it secret, right? They don't want their name you know, out there. They don't want anybody to know. Can you imagine the people beating down their door the next day? But let that money run out and see where those friends would be, just like the prodigal son. A true friend will be there through thick and thin. We witnessed that in their life as Kathy went through cancer 13 years ago. Praise God. 13 years cancer free. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. But I remember, I remember it was about uh, getting close to Christmas. It was up in the winter. And uh, Trish, Trish's not here today, is she? Trish, I'm talking about you. I hope you're listening. But you know, Trish, she's a, She's Eleanor's girl. My apple didn't fall far from the tree. And she always wanted to do something. Always wanted to help somebody. Always wanted to, what can I do? How can I help? And so she called me and she said, what? Boy, it's hard to tell. What can we do? I said, I have trees. Just pray. You know, I don't really know anything else that you can do. She said, no, I need to do something. I just had to do something. I said, well, you know what? We, uh. We haven't had a chance to, to do any kind of decorate for Christmas. We usually decorate. And, and that would, you know, if you'd want to do something like that, you know, we put some stuff outside and some lights and a few little things. She said, put it on your front porch and leave it to me. Okay. So, so I drug out the bags and the boxes and, you know, a few things. It wasn't a lot. Put it out there. We came home that evening and it wasn't Art Griswold. But I'm going to tell you, we were decorated. They had come up there and they brought some of the teens, others from the church. Pam, were you in on that? No. They came up there and they put lights on our porch and lights in our trees. And we had these deer in the yard that 
moved around and had lights. And like we were just all fixed up. We were speechless. And that's a memory that will never fade. Those were friends that were there for us in our times of adversity. And this church family surrounded us and loved on us, cared for us. Priceless. Absolutely priceless. And real friends are going to be there for you, not just in the good times, but in those times of adversity. Proverbs 18, 24 tells us we can have a friend like that. His name's Jesus. It says there's a friend that stays closer than a brother. We have a friend as God's children who will never leave us. How long is never, by the way? He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He won't turn his back and run out on us when times get hard. He won't turn away from us when we fail. He cares. He loves us unconditionally. He may not be happy with us sometimes. Amen? Anybody ever make God unhappy? I'm afraid I do it too often. But he never stops loving us. You can't make God not love you. And he is there for you in the hard times as well as in the good times. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said he calls us his friend. This Lord who is also Savior and King, God of the universe, says, I am a friend to those who fear me, serve me. God is our friend. He wants to be everyone's friend. You ever have a friend fail you? Nobody's going to nod, right? I'm afraid they'll see me nod my head. You know, friends will fail us sometimes, won't they? I'll probably fail some of you miserably at times. But we will fail, even though we don't mean to, even though we have the best of intentions, and the last thing in the world we want to do is let our friends down. We're human, and we will. But God never fails. He will never fail you, and he will never let you down. The third thing I want us to think about is friends are there for us in our time of need. There for us in our time of need. If you read the history of the early church as, as they were coming together and the early church was, was forming and they were so excited about being together. Man, they were meeting every day. They were worshiping together and sharing meals together and they were reaching out in their community and bringing other uh, folks in to hear the word. People were being saved every day, man. They were eager to to hear what the apostles had to say and had to teach. And they were so excited about things, they would sell what they had to be able to meet the needs of others who were in need. Somebody hit me up with this one time and said, see there, those early Christians, they were communists. I said, no, the government didn't take it from them. They willingly gave it. But they cared so much about others who had needs that they sold possessions so needs could be met. And we are to do the same. James says right after he declares that faith without works is dead and useless, and it is, amen? He said, you show me faith without works. I want to see that. (laughs) Let me see faith that doesn't have any works. I got to see that because I don't think it really exists. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works, by what I do, by the way I live my life. You will see my faith. And so right after saying that, 
He says this. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, and you don't do a thing to help them. You have the ability, you have the wherewithal to help. He said, you don't give them any food, you don't give them any clothing. What good does that do? Words. Words come easy, don't they? Talk is cheap. God gave us to one another to help in times of need. I'm thankful for a church that does that. I mean, you know, I know our elders and our deacons and, and, and some of the things that do and needs met. And again, we, we're not the kind of church we're out there tooting our horn and, and, and bragging about everything we do. You guys have no idea what a little church this size does in meeting needs. Uh, and it's wonderful. And I am proud to be part of a fellowship that does that. Galatians 6.10 commands all of us. He says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to all men and especially to those in the household of faith. We're to take care of one another. That leads me to the fourth one. And that's accountability. God gave us friends for accountability. When we're accountable to nothing or nobody, We're going to do our own thing, go our own way, do what makes us happy. We need to be held accountable. Remember when when Cain killed his brother Abel and God comes looking and he says, yeah, where's your brother at? I don't know. Am I supposed to be my brother's keeper? Is it my job to keep up with? I don't know. But the reality of it is, in the family of God, we are our brother and sister's keeper. God will hold us responsible for not helping their brothers and sisters, for not reaching out, for not caring. And this thing of being accountability, being part of the the body of Christ, we're accountable to hold each other accountable to the faith that we profess to believe. And that can come in a lot of different ways, you know. See somebody, you know, missing, you know, Call, check on them. Let them know we care. Let them know, you know, see what's going on. Let people know that they matter. Let people know that they're missed. Pick up on, you know, pray for God to give you that that, that radar, that, you know, those antennas that go up that say, well, you know, I can see just so-and-so's not feeling right today or something's going on. There, there's something. And you can discreetly inquire. Go alongside them. Put your arm around them. Is there something I can do to help you today? Is there, is there some way that, 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 can we pray for you? Can we do something? Sometimes it goes beyond that. Sometimes it goes beyond just minor things. But it goes to the point of holding one another accountable in the area of sin. Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should kick him while he's down and make sure you tell everybody the awful thing that he did. I don't think that's what it said. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. You who are godly should help someone who is strayed. That's not a comfortable thing to do. 
That's getting out of our comfort zone. And we're not to go in a judgmental attitude or vindictive attitude or pointing the finger and, you know what God said about that? You know, fussing and fuming and like we're angry at them. But we go in love out of genuine concern for someone that has strayed. And we pray that God opens that door on the other end that that what we take to them would be received. We hold each other accountable. It's part of being the body of Christ. And by the way, he added this little warning. He said, be careful that you don't fall into the same temptation yourself. When we do these things, you know, I get so sick of hearing, you can't judge me. How many of you hear that on a regular basis? See it on Facebook, right? You know, you can't judge me. Nobody but God can judge me. And I'm saying, yeah, and that ought to scare the devil out of you. Absolutely ought to scare the devil out of you. Because God can judge you. God will judge you. But we in the church, we actually are called to judge one another. Not as far as salvation. But we, uh, my papa used to say, well, we're not to be judges, but we're to be fruit inspectors. And we see the fruit that comes out of people's life. And if we see rotten fruit growing on somebody's tree, a fellow believer, we are duty-bound to go to that person. Again, that's not comfortable. It's a hard thing. If you've ever done it, you know that's true. But if we really care, won't we do that? When we see little kids like getting close to the fire at Possum Holler next week, won't we run down there and say, you need to scoot back, you're too close to the fire. We need to care about others to the point that we do something and take action. A couple of Proverbs say, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. (laughs) If we're on the receiving end of that, what's our first instinct as human beings? react to that (laughs) or who do you think you are you know but God will move on our hearts through the Holy Spirit and recognize that if it's done out of love and genuine concern for us we need to receive that it may be something we don't even see or don't even realize in our own life Proverbs 27 17 says as iron sharpens iron so a friend sharpens a friend We're sharpening each other. We're helping each other along this way. We're all just strugglers headed the same direction. We need to help one another get there. The last thing is this. God gave us friends to encourage one another. Anybody ever need encouragement? Oh, man. I'm a needy person. I need encouragement. I, I need affirmation. I need, you know, I just need to know that so often. Story in the Bible about a young man named John Mark. Paul and Barnabas set out on this missionary journey. And they went all around everywhere. And they sailed here, they sailed there. And they, you can read all about it in, in God's Word. And they went different places. They established churches. They, they, they ministered. They shared the Word. They, they, they did all these wonderful things. And later on, you know, Paul comes to Barnabas. And, and, and John Mark started out with him, this young boy, John Mark. And about halfway through the trip, it's like he just went home. And we don't know why. The Bible doesn't tell us why. You know, maybe he got homesick, you know. 
Maybe it's like, maybe he got sick, sick, and needed to go home. We don't know. But for whatever reason, you know, in midstream, John Mark went home. Well, it comes time, and, 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 and Paul comes to Barnabas, and he says, hey, let's, let's go back and visit all the places that we went before. Let's make that same circuit, and let's see how everybody's doing. Let's check on the churches, and check on the people, and, and, and you'll do some more ministry, and let's go back and do that. Barnabas says, great, sounds like a great idea. I'll go get John Mark. Paul said, no, you won't. Well, but, 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 but no, he is not going with us. I mean, Paul was adamant. And, and it said that the, the agreement, the disagreement was so sharp that they split up. Paul said, you go your way, I'll go mine. And he took Silas and went. And Barnabas goes to John Mark and puts his arm around him and says, hey, kid, you're coming with me. And I thought, what love and compassion he showed for this young man. And what an impact that he probably had on this man's life. That maybe John Mark did mess up. Maybe he was in the terrible wrong to, you know, to, to abandon them midstream. But Barnabas took him under his wing and took him with him. You can imagine what an encouragement that was to John Mark to know that someone cared enough to say, I'll be there for you. I'll be your friend. I'll watch out for you. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20 says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think those being linked together implicates the importance that we pray for one another. Pray for one another. Share one another's burdens. If it concerns our brothers and sisters, it ought to concern us. It ought to matter to us. It matters to God. If you've got the kind of friends that I've been talking about this morning, count yourself blessed. I do, and I recognize that I am greatly, greatly blessed beyond measure. To know that I got friends I can count on, friends that will encourage me, that will be there in my hard times as well as the good, that will help me when I'm down, that'll hold me accountable and even challenge me when necessary. There's one friend we all need. His name is Jesus. Is Jesus your best friend? Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, he's not a friend at all. You need to establish that friendship. But if you're a child of God, he needs to be your best friend, not just somebody you come and spend an hour with once a week. He needs to be the best friend that you've got because he's always there, always with you. Is he the first one that you turn to or is he that spare tire? go to in case of an emergency. We read in the word that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. He met with them. He talked with them. He even went to their house and ate with them. Can you imagine the outrage? Jesus going to the home of sinners and eating with these guys? 
tax collectors, prostitutes, terrible people. And the religious folk of that day, man, they gave Jesus a lot of grief for that. Gave him a lot of grief for that. But Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. And he was called a friend of sinners. Let me point out, there's never one instance where he condoned the sin, where he just kind of winked at the sin and just said, oh, it's okay, you know, it's all right. Jesus never once okayed sin, but he was still a friend of sinners. Great lesson in that for you and I. If the only people we surround ourselves with are people who don't look like us or talk like us or dress like us or uh, you know, speak the same language as us or have the same skin color as us or, heaven forbid, have the, don't have the same politics as us. If the only friends we ever have are just our church friends, how are we ever going to share the gospel? How are we ever going to get the message out there? Like Jesus, we need to be a friend of sinners. That doesn't mean we've got to be worldly. You know, The last thing that we need to do is become worldly to try to win the world. The last thing the church needs to do is to be like the world in an attempt to win the world. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Kind of like unsaved, uh, kind of like teens, Christian teen dating an unsaved uh, person. Doesn't work. You can't, you can't missionary date. 99 times out of 100, it goes the other way. Believe me, I've seen it happen way too many times. But that's another story. We as believers are told that we're in this world, but we're not what? Of this world. We're not of this world. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. Thank God we're pilgrims and we're strangers, and there's a better land that we're going to. But we are, if you're still breathing and your heart's still beating this morning, I'm looking around, I think everybody's okay. You are still in the world. Why? God's got a purpose. God's got a reason. God has a work for you. And that work is to share this good news, to lead others to faith. Is Jesus your best friend? I'm going to ask the girls to come get ready to sing. Is he your best friend or is he just a casual acquaintance? If he's not your friend, he wants to be. And he wants to be so badly. He gave the best thing that he had. He gave his son to die so that our sins could be forgiven, so that that friendship could become reality. And John 15 13 declares to us, there is no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for you.